Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're still studying the big E. Tonight we're going to look at encouragement or the lack thereof. Paul speaking in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 9 about the apostles. For I think that God has set, has set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were, to death, appointed to death. For we are made the spectacle unto the world, and to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour we both hunger and thirst and are naked and buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. And labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. Let us pray. We thank thee, our Heavenly Father, for sending Christ to bear away our reproach, our sins, to grant us mercy. We plead thy mercy that endureth forever. We thank thee for the right that we have to worship thee, to come before thy throne of grace, to come into this thine house. We just ask you now open our eyes and our ears. Help us to exalt Christ in our lives, our hearts, our actions. Help us to worship thee in spirit and in truth. Keep your protective hands upon us. We pray for the sitter family. Guide them in the way you'd have them to go. Bless their endeavors. Bless the work here also, we pray and ask. We pray for our loved ones that are not in our midst, that you'd be pleased to keep your protective hands upon them and grant repentance and faith to those that are lost. Guide us now in our endeavors to serve thee and help us to exalt the name of Christ above every name. For it's in his name through the power of the Holy Spirit we ask and amen. Over in the book of Second Chronicles, the 25th chapter, the 8th verse, Long story short, they were fixing to go into battle. And they were told by a prophet, the man of God, verse 7 says, O king, let not the army of Israel go with thee, for the Lord is not with Israel, to wit, with all the children of Ephraim. But if thou wilt go, do it, and be strong for the battle. God shall make thee fall before the enemy. For God hath power to help and to cast down. Now there's encouragement there and there's dis discouragement there. That's a quite of a statement. You think about it, oh, be brave, but you're going to die. How can that be encouraging? Encouragement, or encourage, not used many times in scriptures. Four, used four times in all in the Old Testament. In the book of Deuteronomy, the first chapter, Moses is telling about how when they were told to take the promised land, ten of the spies brought an evil report. Verse 28, Where the shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts. That's one side of the equation. And I believe it's in verse 38. 
But Joshua the son of Nun, which standeth before thee, he shall go in thither, encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Now, how do you encourage somebody? I mean, there's a thing called cheering on and a thing called encouragement, and they're f way different. We might cheer on somebody playing sports or in a spelling bee for, as far as that goes. But to encourage, you have to have something to encourage with. Moses had the ability to do that. I mean, he stood on God's side, and he had the knowledge and the ability, the goods we would call today, to encourage. We don't always have the... We can cheer somebody on, but your local school team of any sport uh, play hard you're going to lose well, that ain't no encouragement that's discouragement it's a tough thing oh back over there in the book of first corinthians in uh first corinthians 15 verse 22 I mean, you have to have power to encourage. You have to have authority. If we were in a dominion with a king and he gave one the authority to collect taxes, they have the authority to take him. You must have the authority. Verse 22 of 1 Corinthians 15, For as in Adam all die. That's discouraging. None of us are going to get out alive. Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. That's encouragement. Uh, I always think of that cartoon, B.C., the man wearing a sign, the tax man cometh, everybody was going, boo, the tax man cometh tomorrow. The next guy coming through with a sign, the world ends today, everybody was cheering. That's, a, that's just a, a, a joke, but it's kind of the way we are. We're easily brought down and not always easily encouraged, but we can often be discouraged easily. To cheer one up and to encourage, as I said, are two different things. To encourage is to give one a reason to succeed. Moses had the reason. He said, you've seen the miracles? You've seen the delivery from Egypt. There'll be no problem for the Almighty to take you into the promised land. But to tell an athlete, play hard, you're going to lose. It's not encouraging. How do we encourage others when we ourselves fail? We think about, as I said, we we're looking at length at the writings of Solomon Solomon a poor testimony what was it he said there in the last of the book of Ecclesiastes I mean there's a way you use I guess you'd say encouragement you use the shaving method put on the lather and then you take the razor 
in the book of Ecclesiastes, the last chapter, <laughs> talking to the youth, uh, next to the last chapter, chapter 11, verse 9, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. That sounds good. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. That doesn't sound quite so good. Christ was a great encourager. But we know he rebuked often, taught more about torment than eternal life. We have opposition, therefore we need encouragement. We all know that things are not getting any better. They seem to be getting worse by the day. You ever wonder why every time we set out to do something for the good, things don't always go the way we think that they should? Well, I'm trying to do things for the good of man, and I don't seem to do too good of a job. Try to make a promise to someone to do something for them, and you'll find that you have opposition. We have a, an adversary. We have a greater advocate, but we do have an adversary. And that's, I guess the best way to describe the encouragement is we've read the end of the book and we know how it ends up. But we fight on in this war, and it is a war that we're in, and most people seem to forget that. In the book of Genesis, the fifth, uh, 25th chapter and the 22nd verse, we read about Rebekah when she was expecting her two twin sons, Jacob and Esau. She said, why is she thus? Well, she needed encouragement. God loved one and hated the other. We read about Isaac and Ishmael. The flesh persecuted the spirit. Ishmael persecuted Isaac. Everything we do for, for every, as the saying goes, for every Isaac you have an Ishmael, for every Jacob you have an Esau, everything we do, well, there's opposition. And we definitely do need encouragement. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works they shall behold, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Did I read the wrong verse? No, that is the right one. That is the right place. The war rages on. Peter also wrote about our adversaries like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. It's a war. In uh, 
Well, in the Exodus, when they came out, we won't turn there, but it's in Exodus chapter 17, Amalek, the descendants of Esau, that's persecutors of the sons of Jacob, war waged between the two. That's the, the battle that was going on with Rebekah when she was carrying the two. When Moses held his hands up, Israel prevailed. When he let them down, the flesh, Amalek, was a good type of it. Amalek prevailed. <clears throat> we walk, at least we think we walk, in accordance with God's word. And it seems like the harder we try, the harder the going gets. But Christ has already promised us in the world we shall have tribulation. In the letters to the seven churches, well, Revelation 3, 1 through 6, and unto the angel of the church at Sardis write, These saying saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, and that thou hast a name which thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. That's a rebuke. Verse 1 of chapter 2, Unto the angel of the church at Ephesus, Right, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy work, thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say that they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience for my name's sake, hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. He never missed anything. You cannot encourage someone by telling them a lie. The truth has to prevail. How do we encourage one that seems to be fighting a losing battle? The numbers, of our numbers are dwindling. We need encouragement. Interest in the church and the cause of the Lord is probably at an all-time low. Evil is flourishing. The opposition seems to be winning on all fronts. They come up with COVID. And we know what that was all about. Man-made. Things seem to get worse. Well, we're to pray for our leaders. We're to pray for one another. And we've already read how Paul handled the matter. He warned us. It's coming. So you won't be too surprised when he gets here. Um, and I mean, there in the book of Ephesians. I'll get to it here eventually. <laughs> I mean he says in verse 26 of chapter 4 be angry be angry and sin not let not the sun go down upon your wrath 
Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing that which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, for that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, walk in love. On and on we could go. You fight back, but you don't fight back with sin. You fight back with righteousness. Being more conformed into the image of Christ, which is what we are to be doing in the first place. We fight spiritual warfare. We get weak and weary, just like Moses holding up his hands. We let them down. We begin to falter. Psalms 28 Psalms 28, 1 and 2. And to thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock. Be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. Draw me not away with the wicked, and with the workers of inequity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. We think that life is about us. That's what this big gist of this study, the big E, is. It's not about us. It's about Christ, glorifying our Master, our Creator, our Redeemer. Hope is in Christ. Hope is not in Washington. Hope is not from any political arena. You can't trust any of them. As we know, politics is very corrupt. Expect nothing good out of them. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that are, that be are ordained of God. But they're corrupt. How can we let them have their way for to be a testimony to them, just like Paul was? Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Will thou then be afraid of the power do that which is good and thou shalt have praise the same and Solomon there we didn't read it his last parting words in Ecclesiastes is fear God and keep his commandments this is the whole duty of man 
We're to face trials, face things with prayer. God hears it. If he didn't hear it, we'd have reason not to trust him, but we'd all have to admit he answers most prayers. He answers all prayers that's true praying. He does not always answer immediately. He does not always answer with the answer we think we should get. In Matthew chapter 17, I mean, if Christ didn't hear a prayer, we would be, we would have a great reason to be discouraged, but he hears. Matthew 17, verse 18. And Jesus rebuked the devil and departed out of him, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. This is when Christ cast out an evil spirit out of a child. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. And we have a lot of unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. I dare say we don't do much prayer and fasting. Luke chapter eighteen verse verse one. <laughs> and he spake a parable to them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in this, that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, Yet, because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night to him through all, though he bear along with him? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. We are at that state. This judge was corrupt. The judges as a whole, probably more corrupt than righteous. Last days, faith on the earth, not much. Yeah, that sounds like end times. That's pretty much the state we're in. Faith is dwindling just like every other good thing is. We have with prayer a very effective weapon, but we must use it. Christ prayed all night sometimes. We don't do that. In the first Peter chapter five.
in verse 6, 1 Peter 5 and 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he might, may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. We're no match for a spirit being, but the Lord fights these battles. We just simply go. Verse 10, But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. He answers all prayers. It's true prayers to him. Now, you've heard it said before, the lost man really cannot pray effectively because he has no mediator. We have a mediator in Christ Jesus. Peter stumbled several occasions. We looked at many times. We read, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. We're all going to fall. Stay away from pride. It'll do nothing good, but will destroy. Israel was encouraged when they saw God's mighty power. When we see things go according to Scripture, we should also be encouraged. It should give us, I mean, with the things we see going on in the world today, we should say the end is near. What do we do? We don't do nothing. We do something. Go about glorifying God and proclaiming the word. In the book of I didn't go there but in the book of Exodus the 17th chapter talking about Amalek and warring against the children of Israel oh man let's just turn on over there Exodus 17 <clears throat> Now, as I said, this is the children of, of the Edomites, which is the descendants of Esau. Verse 8, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Raphidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So, Joshua did as Moses had said unto him and fought with Amalek and Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill and it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed and when he let down his hand Amalek prevailed. Their encouraging sight was things went their way when Moses' hands were up. So obviously the trick's going to be keep Moses' hands up. 
But verse 12, but Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat there on it. Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands. Aaron the high priest, Hur purity and white. This is a picture of Christ and the Holy Spirit, our double portion. Verse 13, and Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And we think about the sword just to play on words over there in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The word of God is quick, sharper than a two-edged sword. A lot of great typology there. Christ is also the word. Well, anyway, how can we be encouraged with the things we see going on in the world. Well, we see it takes prayer. takes obedience. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's only going to be accomplished doing it God's way. If we try to war in the flesh, we have no chance at succeeding. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. This is Paul speaking about his thorn in the flesh. Well, he said in verse 4, he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful or possible for a man to utter. Paul knew this is a great encouragement to Paul. He knew what was on the other side. He'd seen it. It said things were said that man can't say. Verse 5, Of such one will I glory yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or what he heareth of me, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations there was given to me, unto me, yeah, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it may depart from me. Some say it was a problem with his eyesight, maybe a speech impediment. He was wounded at Lystra and left for dead. There's no telling how bad he, he, he was in terrible shape. Verse 9, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. Now we think about the law. Can the law encourage? The law cannot do anything but condemn. Grace, on the other hand, that can encourage. It's very simple. Go back to the book of Romans. The eighth chapter. Verse 31. 
What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Yeah, there's reason to be encouraged. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also give us freely give us all things? I mean, the promises he's made, he's going to keep good on them. These things are encouraging. We may be beaten up, slain. Read on verse 33. Who shall lay to... Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? We have the double portion. The Holy Spirit guides us. Christ intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution? or famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things <clears throat> we are more than conquerors to him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Sounds very promising. Anyway, that's what we have for encouragement. God's going to keep that word just like he promised the children of Israel they'd take the new land, they took the new land. 